you get to come to gather together with, with family and, and, and our, our church family. You know, it's not just, not just every day we get to get together with our church family on, on Christmas Day. As a matter of fact, the last time that we had the opportunity to have church together on Christmas Day was 2016. Christmas is on a, it's a cycle. You have Christmas lands on a Sunday, and then six years later, Christmas on a Sunday, then five years, Christmas Sunday, then six years, Christmas Sunday, and then 11 years, Christmas Sunday. And then it starts over, 6, 5, 6, 11, 6, 5, 6, 11. And it's going to stay that way until the year 2100, when in the absence of a leap year, it'll change, it'll mess up the cycle. But I was, I was thinking about some things this week. I was thinking back to the, oh, sorry, y'all. I was thinking back to the last time we had church Christmas Sunday, 2016, six years ago. Boy, couldn't help but think about all that's happened in six years. I mean, man, just think back to the last time we had Christmas on a Sunday, six years ago. Think back to the things that's changed in our lives. Think, think back to, to the disasters that we've been through or the joys that we've had, the, the highs and the lows, the, the loss of loved ones, the, the all, COVID shows up in 2020, changes everything, right? So, so as, as I was thinking back, trying to think of all the things that have changed, and, and can I just go ahead and plug in, not so much for the good. Amen. A lot of things has changed in the last six years, not so much for the good. So I started thinking, because we're on the 11-year cycle right now. So we're not going to see Christmas on this Sunday again until the year 2033. So I just started thinking about some things. Well, if I've seen this much change in six years, what will the next 11 years look like? In 11 years, 2033, will we have this opportunity? Will we have this freedom? Will you still be able to stand openly and worship in the house of God together as a family of God in the United States of America? I don't think it's impossible that you could lose that freedom. Everybody's thought that in the past that lost that freedom. Well, what will it be like in the schools? What will it be like in society? If we've gone this far in six years, what's it going to be like in 2033? But I had a great thought of what it might be like in 2033. Because, see, I got to thinking about something. It, there's nothing that, that can stop Jesus from coming back on the same day that he came. There's nothing that can stop that trumpet from blowing right now. There's nothing that can stop the church from being redeemed out of this land right now at the rapture, at the sound of the trumpet. So I got to thinking, you know, in 11 years, here's what could happen. Jesus could rapture the church and in the next 11 years, we could enjoy the marriage supper of the Lamb. We can enjoy all of our time together with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all of our family that has gone on before us, and all of the church united together as one. We could have already enjoyed the judgment seat of Christ where our works will be tried as by fire, where there'll be rewards and there'll be loss of rewards. Listen, make sure what you do, you do for the glory of God. Because all of our works will be tried as by fire. And those things done for selfish gain will be burned up. But at the end of 11 years, by 2033, Christ could have already come. We could have already done the marriage supper of the Lamb. 
We could have already completed the judgment seat of Christ. We could have already completed seven years in heaven around the throne of God while tribulation took place on this earth. We could have already returned back to this earth clothed in our white garments, riding on white horses, and Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords, could have already bound up Satan, cast him into the bottomless pit for a thousand years, and we could be enjoying the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ on this earth. There's a lot can happen between now and 2033. And it don't have to all be bad. Oh, somebody ought to be excited about that. It would be just awful to have to spend the next 11 years in heaven, wouldn't it? Oh, well, it was just a free thought. I don't know. I guess maybe I just need to preach this Christmas. Before, before I start Matthew chapter 2, I do want to thank you guys just for a minute real quick. On behalf of Robin and I and our family, all the cards, the, the gifts, all the stuff you guys have given us. Several of you gave things unsigned just to love on us. We don't know who, who they're from. And, and honestly, I just want you to know we appreciate that on, on behalf of Robin. I just want to tell you thank you. I mean, we absolutely love you guys. We are thrilled beyond measure that God has chosen in this life to give us this opportunity to serve at this church with you. I just want you to know how much we love you and appreciate you. So Matthew chapter 2, I, I promise I'm going to be very brief. You're going to say, you lie, you can't say hello briefly. I promise we're going to be very brief. We're not going to be here but just a minute. We're not going to belabor the point. We're just going to spend a little bit of time worshiping the Lord. Matthew chapter 2, verse number 1. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men. You ought to have that underlined in your Bible. You ought to look at who it is that came and worshiped the Lord. These are the wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born? king if it stopped right there it would be enough he's not just king of the jews he's king of kings amen he's lord of lords where is he that is born king of the jews for we have seen his star in the east and we are come and here here's what wise men do to worship him so i want to look for just a few minutes at unspeakable joy father thank you so much for being so incredibly good god thank you for your love your grace your mercy Thank you for this day, God, when you step down out of glory to come down and pay for the, the souls of a sinner like me, for the souls of sinners just like us. Thank you, Father, for this day, for this time. I ask you, would your Holy Spirit move in the midst, Father? Help us to be pleasing to you in all we do. We love you, we thank you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, so what we see here is that from the very beginning... The moment that Jesus Christ stepped down in, in, into the flesh as, as, a, as this small little babe, from the very beginning, the Son of the living God was worshipped upon this earth. By the same token, if we look at the very beginning, as soon as he came as a baby, as soon as he came to that manger, the enemy began to attempt to steal away the joy that Jesus brings. Verse number 3 says that when Herod the king heard these things, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. When he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, demanded of them where the Christ should be born. They said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, Thou Bethlehem in the land of Judah, 
art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. So when he called together, it says that he called the, the chief priest, he calls the scribes together. You have to understand, the scribes are the keepers of the law. The scribes are the ones that prepared the sheepskins, the perfectly white, unspotted lamb, the perfect ink that had to be used to write the word of God. They're the one that sat down and they took word by word, letter by letter, and transferred it over so that the word of God be kept perfectly intact so that we would have it for years to come. The scribes, the keepers of the written law of God, that they quoted from Micah chapter 5 that Christ was indeed going to be born in Bethlehem, Ephratah. Though there'll be little among the thousands of Judah, yet a ruler. It says, out of thee shall he come forth. And to me, there's to be a ruler in Israel. But then here's the key. Whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. See, it's not a new thought. 800 years before the birth of Christ, the prophet Micah, who, whose name means who is like God, he wrote the, the location of the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. So they already had it written down. And then verse number 7, when Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared, he sent them to Bethlehem. He said, go and search diligently for the young child. When you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. The devil has always been a liar. The devil is still a liar. The enemy is always a liar. He said, you come tell me where he's at that I may come and worship him also. But the, the Lord revealed that that was a lie. The enemy there was seeking to steal to kill and to destroy the gift for the souls of men. The payment, the price, he was looking to take it away. See, the enemy always comes as a wolf. The, the Bible even describes him as a lion, walking about, seeking whom he may devour, a roaring lion. Here, whether, whether you put him as a wolf or whether you put him as the lion, he never changes. He comes in sheep's clothing. He always comes looking to deceive. Verse number 9 says that when they heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. That's another thing that wise men do. When, when they were come down into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. That's what wise men do. When they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. See, the wise men worshipped what the world sought to destroy. Here's what we see in this passage. Anybody that will seek Jesus. Mm, only one person understood it. Anybody that will seek the Savior. Still ain't got it. Anybody that will look for the Messiah, the, the Savior, will be led, will be guided, will be directed to Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, which leads us to praise and to worship. Now, not only will we be led to the Messiah, but when, when we trust Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior, the Father, through the Holy Spirit, will guide every step of our life. 
if we'll just take time to listen and obey what he says. See, the text goes on. It says that after these wise men had worshipped, that they presented their gifts, and the secrets of the enemy were revealed that the Holy Spirit came. They were given heavenly instructions to protect them from the enemy's instructions. Be careful. Be careful when you're trying to decide where to go because the enemy will give you instructions. The enemy will tell you to go find the babe. When you find him, call me back because I want to come worship him. The enemy will give you wrong direction. The enemy will deceive you. The enemy will lie. Be careful about what you're following. You want to stay close. Read the book. Stay in touch with the word of God. Stay close to God. So it's kind of like your wife, your husband, your, your best friend. You can recognize the voices of the ones that you talk to often. Be careful that you're recognizing the right voice. Because once we've trusted Christ, the Holy Spirit lives in us, then he will lead God and direct our life. It says in verse number 12 that being warned of God in a dream, they should not return to Herod. See God protecting them? Should not return to Herod. That they departed into their own country another way. See, they did what God said do because that's what wise men do. But, but we get to see Joseph. Joseph is a wise man. He, he's not called a wise man there, but he's already obeyed the Holy Spirit. He's already taken unto Mary thy wife. He's already named the young child Jesus. He already knows that he is Emmanuel, God with us. He's following the things of God. And after the wise men have gone, it says that they were departed. Behold, in verse 13, that the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise. Take the young child and his mother and flee to Egypt. Can I just tell you something right here? That won't make no sense in your life. That won't make sense in your world. I'm going to take the son of God and take him to the son of the world. I'm going to take the child of Christ, the Messiah, and take him to Egypt. Pharaoh, picture of slavery, picture of the world, picture of sin, picture of everything ungodly. I'm going to take God's child and I'm going to go to the world. That makes no sense. It doesn't have to if that's what God told you to do. See, God knew that by putting him there, he could protect him until Herod died. So, so what he does, he follows the instructions, take the child, flee into Egypt and be thou there until I bring the word for Herod, for, or for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. I'm going to time it because y'all going to think I'm lying. I'm going to take about 10 minutes. I'm going to cover a few thousand years. Y'all don't believe me, do you? In the beginning, God created, Period. If you question that, then you question the authority of God. If you question that, you question the word of God. If you try to interrelate that, well, I believe that, but I believe in evolution. I believe that he created him. If you believe anything other than in the beginning God, you're missing it. If you believe anything other than in the beginning God created, you're missing it. God is the only one that was there in the beginning to tell us how it happened. So how would anybody else know? How would somebody born in the last couple of years through their scientific mind think they're smarter than God? But man, man likes to try because the enemy loves to deceive. That's what the enemy does. He looks to deceive. And he tries to deceive even from the very beginning. Because here's the truth. If he can establish anything contrary to in the beginning God, then he's messed up everything. So, so in the beginning, God, end of story. That's not the beginning of God. That's the beginning of time. That's the beginning of the story as God wants us to relate to it. So in the beginning, we know that God created everything. 
We know that for five days he spoke all things into existence. We know that on the sixth day that the Bible says he created every living creature after his kind and cattle and creeping things after his kind. But before the sixth day was over, God created mankind. The Bible tells us that, that he fashioned man, that he created man in his own image. And then the Bible says that God gave him dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over the earth, over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, and in his own likeness, God created him. That, that man, of course, was Adam. And, and he placed him here in the garden. And, and, he, and he said, look, all the garden is yours. Everything that I've created is yours to enjoy. The stars of the heaven, yours to enjoy. Everything around you is yours to enjoy. Every fruit of the vine, every fruit of the tree, everything in the garden is yours to enjoy. You can have anything here. It's all yours except. See this one little fruit right here? Leave it alone. That's it. Everything. You're in the image and likeness of God, and you can stay that way. Just leave this one forbidden fruit alone. That's all you got to do. But then the devil shows up. See, see, what happens is the enemy does here what the enemy does here. The enemy does to Eve what the enemy does to Donald. The enemy came and he said, this fruit, this, this one, look at that. Look how pretty that is. Well, that couldn't be harmful. Just look at it. So she looked at it. Can't hurt, right? After all, God didn't say you can't look at it. The devil says, man, that's, man, look, look, touch it, touch it. Look, that, oh, that's not harmful. That's not harmful at all. You, look, touch it. And, and so she touched it. And you see, you see what the cost becomes when you flirt with the devil? You see what the cost, listen, you flirt with sin, you'll wind up in sin. You let the devil begin to turn your distraction, turn your eyes to other things. You'll begin to follow the wrong thing. And so what he does, he begins to tempt the woman until finally she takes and she ate what the husband told her. God said, don't eat. But the curse isn't yet. She ate it. God talked to the man. God told him, you don't eat it. But the wife brought it to the husband. And she's already eaten it. And so he takes it and, and, and he eats it. Listen, God warned them that on the day you eat of this fruit, ye shall surely die. God said it, God meant it, and God did it. On the day that they ate of the fruit, at that moment, they died in the spirit. So they're no longer in the likeness of God. And from that moment on, mankind needed a redeemer. From that moment on, mankind needed a bridge to build a gap from sin back to God to get us back to the state where we were. From that moment on, sin ha had entered in. So God came and he killed the animal and he made coverings for them because they now realize that they're naked. And the reason for killing the animal was at the shedding of blood. Because the Bible tells us about the shedding of blood and, and that that was the covering of sin. But here's the truth. We know, and we'll see it in a minute, that the blood of bulls and goats, the blood of animals, they can't get it. There needed to be a permanent solution to the problem. Mankind needed a, a redemption for the sin. See, the sin could not go unnoticed. Mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. Jump forward a few thousand years, it ain't changed. Sin cannot go unnoticed. 
and sin cannot go unpunished. That was the need for the Messiah. There had to be a price. Someone. Someone who could. Someone who was able. Someone who was worthy had to pay for the souls of men. Someone who was worthy had to build that bridge from sin back to God to restore what was broken, to rebirth what, what had died there. Jesus said, I'll go. Father, I'll go. Now, now here's the deal. This is not a last-minute solution. Jesus didn't decide now to go. This isn't an afterthought. This isn't an uh-uh-oh moment. What, what do we do now? God, in his foreknowledge, already knew that man would sin, already knew that there'd be a separation, and the redemption was already in place. God had already, before the sin of man, God had already prepared himself a lamb. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 18 as much as you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who, here it is, you ready, was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Before the foundation of the world, Jesus said, I'll go. They're going to mess it up. They're going to blow it. I'm going to be the difference. John chapter 1, when he saw Jesus Christ coming, he said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. The New Testament is not the beginning of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the beginning of the New Testament. Jesus coming to this earth didn't begin in Bethlehem. It didn't begin on Christmas Day. See, the payment was set in the beginning, it was the fulfillment of the payment that began on this day. It was the fulfillment of the plan that had been put into motion before the foundation of the world that on this day the Son of God would step out and the payment begins. Hebrews chapter 10, he gives us a quote from Psalms chapter 40. It says, it's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Wherefore, he cometh into the world, he saith, sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. But here's what he said, Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 7, Then said I, lo, I come. In the volume of the book it is written of me to do thy will, O God. This book, in the beginning, to amen is about Jesus Christ. This book tells the story about creation, and this book tells the story about eternity. This book gives us a picture, but make no mistakes about it. In the volume of the book, it is written of Jesus Christ. Everything in this book is about Christ. Verse number 8 says above when he said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin thou wouldest not, neither hadest pleasure therein which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. By the which we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. You know, when we think of a baby, we think of something new, right? Yeah. 
We think of a baby, we think of a beginning, and rightfully so. But, but this baby is not the beginning of Jesus Christ. This baby is the beginning of the payment. Jesus already was. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. It, it goes on, it says, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. So, so the baby is not the beginning of Jesus Christ. The baby is the beginning of the payment. The, the, the baby is the, the beginning of the price. Jesus has, has always been God. The second person of the Godhead Trinity. God, clothed in righteousness, clothed himself in humanity. He became flesh and dwelt among us to make a way for us to dwell among him. Mm, somebody didn't get it. Verse number 12, still John chapter 1. As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name, which were born, not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He became like us so that we might become like him. Mm, anybody believe we're going to be like him? When I see him, I shall be like him, for I shall see him as he is. There's a day coming when all of our struggles and all of our battles and all of our mistakes and all of our sins and all of our faults and all of our failures are all going to go away because we're redeemed of the Lamb of God. And when we see him, we will be like him. He became like us to bear our sin so that he might make us like him. See, see, Christmas Day is the beginning of the payment for my soul and for yours. Christmas Day is the beginning of the payment. The price was completed at Calvary. The redemption was completed at the empty tomb. But it was the payment that began today. Jesus Christ did not come to this earth to receive gifts. He came to be the gift. And he is the gift. He is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Jesus came to offer you and I, this is the gift. Here you are. You're lost in your sin. You're separated from God. You're on your way to hell. And you will pay for your own sin. Remember, sin can't be unnoticed. And sin can't be unpunished. So here you are in your sin. And you die in your sin. The sin will not go unpunished. For all of eternity in hell... You will pay for your sin. Or, here's my offer. I came and paid the price for you. I paid for every sin you've committed. And it, listen, I thought of something studying this morning. I just sitting there studying something. Anybody ever feel like you, you've committed a sin and you still wonder when you're going to pay for it? Y'all know what I'm talking about? It may be something before you got saved. It may be something since you got saved. But in your mind, you honestly wonder, when am I going to pay for that? Sin can't go unnoticed. Sin can't go unpunished. And I mean, it ain't like it's some bright light. It, it, it just all of a sudden occurred what I already knew. But I can quit dreading that. It's already been punished. Jesus just took it. It's not that what I did that I'm dreading and like, man, I know someday it's got to be punished. It's already been punished. 
Jesus said, here's the gift. You don't have to go to hell. Here's the gift. You don't have to pay for your sin. Here's the gift. I did it all for you. I paid for every single mistake that you've ever made or ever will make. I have paid it all. The Father says you can be called a son of the living God, debt paid in full, child of the King, joint heirs with Jesus. Here's the gift. The question is, will you open it? What a great day, Christmas Day. How many of you have some gifts under the tree that you plan to not open? Somebody's going to bring it and hand it to you and say, Merry Christmas. And you're going to say, thank you, but I'm just not going to open that. Merry Christmas. Just want you to know I love you. Here's a little something I got. No, thank you. I don't want that. I'm not going to open that. See, that's what we're doing to God. When somebody tries to tell you how to know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, how to be saved, and they tell you about Christmas, they tell you about Christ, they tell you about Calvary, they tell you about redemption, they tell you about salvation. Here's the gift, and you say, no, I'm not ready to be saved. What you're saying is, God, keep your gift. I don't want it. I'll pay for my sin myself, and indeed you will. You say, but I didn't say I'd pay for my sin myself. Oh, yeah, you did. Yeah, when you refused the gift. What you said is, I'll pay for my own sin, and indeed you will. But it will be your fault. For every soul in hell and every soul that remains to go to hell, it is their fault. Because the price is paid in full, and the gift is offered, and it's this simple. Here's the gift. Will you take it and open it and receive the gift? I wonder this morning, I wonder this morning how many people in here have received the gift. Jesus came Christmas to begin the payment. 33 and a half years, he completed the payment. He took his blood of the right hand of the Father. He sprinkled it on the mercy seat of God, and he said, it is enough. It's done. Grace is offered. Grace that never stops giving. Mercy that never stops forgiving is offered. There it is. I wonder how many of you in here have received the gift. He said, thank you, Lord Jesus, for the gift. I'm going to heaven when I die because of what Jesus did for me. So here's the question, who hasn't? I'll ask you to bow your heads just for a minute. If you've never accepted the gift, you've never asked Jesus Christ to save your soul, man, what an awesome day it would be that on the day when Christ came to make the payment becomes your beginning. On the day when Christ came to step down out of heaven and take on humanity and become flesh so that you might become like him. What an awesome day. Listen, any day, any day is a great day to be saved. The best possible day to be saved was yesterday, but you missed that one. But by God's grace, you're still here today. By God's mercy, you're still here today, which means the next best time to receive Christ is right now. You don't know about tomorrow. You don't know that you have tomorrow. Jesus can come back today. He can come back in the morning. You're going to do an awful lot of traveling in the cars, going from one place to another. Anything can happen. A minute changes everything. You don't know about tomorrow. What you know about is right now. And here's what you know about right now. If you've never trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you will not go to heaven. But you can change that right now. By accepting the gift, and his name is Jesus Christ. None other name under heaven given among men, whereby you must be saved. He is the only way, the only truth, the only life. So the question is, are you willing to trust Christ as your personal Lord and Savior today? Lord, thank you for the gift, Father. 
Thank you for the price that was paid at Calvary. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for on this day, for stepping down out of heaven and taking on the form of man so that you might make me back into the image and likeness of God, that I might have a new birth, that I might be born again in the Spirit, that I could be saved. Father, I believe your word. I believe your book. I believe your truth. I just want to be saved. I'm asking you, Father, I'm asking in the name of Jesus, would you, would you save my soul now? Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of all my sins. Write my name in the Lamb's book of life. Make me a child of God. I, I want to be like that text. That I want to be called the sons of God. I can tell you if you're faithful and just to ask him, he's faithful and just to save your soul. Amen. Amen. Y'all didn't think I could do it, did you? A few thousand years and ten minutes. I'm not done just yet. Just a special little blessing for you. You, you, can't, you can't not have Christmas and not read the Christmas story. You can't not read the Christmas story. And with all the kids in here, there's no reason for me to try to read what Linus has already read. I mean, you can't do a better job of the Christmas story than Linus did, right? So, so there's two things that's just got to be done if we're going to get to have Christmas on Sunday. Number one, we, we got to read the Christmas story. Y'all got the kids ready? Get them up. Get them ready. We're going we're gonna to read the Christmas story. And, and then Molly's going to come. We got to sing happy birthday to Jesus, don't we? Well, Molly's going to come help us. Go ahead, guys. been dumb before, Charlie Brown, but this time you really did it. <laughs> what a treat. <laughs> I guess you were right, Linus. I shouldn't have picked this little tree. Everything I do turns into a disaster. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel... A multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. <laughs>